0: Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. Valley Point Church is a faith community located in Glen Mills, Pennsylvania. Our mission is pointing people to real relationships and real significance. Enjoy and thanks for listening. Happy Easter and welcome to Valley Point Church. My name is Eric, I'm one of the pastors here. And it is truly an honor to celebrate this day with you. When you think about Easter, it's kind of an interesting event, isn't it? There's the religious side of Easter, and then there is the fun side. The religious side is about Jesus, a man who was killed and then came back to life. The fun side is about the Easter bunny, and eggs, and chocolate, and candy, and all kinds of food, and these things don't exactly go together, but hey, it's fun, isn't it? There's also something called Easter anxiety. Perhaps you haven't heard about this, but let me describe it to you this way. Easter anxiety. I live in a neighborhood with my family where we have a park close to our home. It's right on our street. We can walk to it, and there is a playground there, and we love that because we have younger kids, and we hang out at the park and really enjoy being with our kids there. Well, a couple of years ago for an Easter, my wife, Tanya, came up with an idea. She said, hey, let's put some Easter eggs together and stuff some candy inside, and we'll go to the park and hide the eggs and then bring our kids, and we'll have a little Easter egg hunt with our family. And I said, you know, that's a great idea. I love it. Let's do that. And so we got the family together, and we stuffed eggs and put candy inside, and then we sent some of our older kids to the park to hide the eggs with the instruction. You do that, and then you come back, and you get the rest of us, and we'll go up to the park, and we'll have a great time with our Easter egg hunt with our family. Well, in just a few minutes, one of my older daughters came back and said, Dad, we've got a problem at the park. What's going on at the park? She said, there are other kids there, non-family members, stealing our Easter eggs. Well, my wife is very loving and compassionate, and she said, that's not a problem. It's no big deal. And I'm like, no big deal. I mean, I love Jesus and all, but you're not stealing my Easter candy. And so we went to the park and we figured it out and we set things straight. That is Easter anxiety. And my guess is when you get family and candy and competition together, there is bound to be some stress. So whatever your Easter looks like today, whether you're with family or not, whether there is candy or competition, whatever that looks like for you, I hope that you have a very memorable day. You know, the amazing thing about Easter is that it is a celebration of a truly extraordinary event. Someone came back to life. There was a death, but then life returned. And that is not a normal thing. That's not a normal thing at all. What I want us to discover today is that Easter changed everything. And it can change me. That's our big idea for today, and this is what I want to spend our time thinking about. That Easter changed everything. That very first Easter, boy, it changed everything in a pretty significant way. And the result of that is that Easter can also change me. Ultimately, Easter is God's story about reaching out and rescuing what He loves and providing a way for us to have a forever friendship with Him That is possible, and the reason that is possible is because Easter changed everything, and it can change me. I'm really thankful that you're here today. I think it says a lot about your desire to honor God and to contemplate His work and His words on this holy day. So I don't want to waste your time, so I want to let you know where we're going and what we're going to be talking about. I want to share with you two key words, and then I'm going to provide some very practical takeaways for all of us, okay? Here's the two key words we're going to think through this morning. The first word is resurrection. No surprise there, right? I mean, this is the story of Jesus, and he was killed, and he came back to life. There is a resurrection, and we want to think about that this morning. The second key word is the word redemption. And what does that mean for us? So, resurrection and redemption. Here we go. Let's think about the word resurrection first. It's Easter, and this is the day that Christianity celebrates the comeback. This is the day that we celebrate Hope being delivered. Again, this is the day we celebrate a living Savior. And it sounded just like this. If you have a Bible or a device, I want you to take it and find Mark's Gospel. And we're going to be reading from chapter 16 and verse 1. You'll also find these words on the screen in just a moment. Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 1 These are God's holy and authoritative words. Here's what that resurrection looked like. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. That is a central clue in the story. The fact that we have some women and they are going to the tomb with their burial spices. Hang on to that. Verse 2. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? They're perplexed by this. But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb... They saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side and the women were shocked. Now, I want to pause there for just a moment because that word shocked in the construction of the story is absolutely fascinating. The women go to the tomb with their burial spices and they see that the stone has been rolled away and there is sitting a man in white robes and they are shocked. What does that word shocked mean? Does it mean that they were surprised in a good way? Like maybe Jesus is alive. We had our doubts and we're coming with our spices, but maybe Jesus did come back. Maybe he is walking around somewhere. Maybe Jesus is alive and we are shocked in a good way. Well, you have to remember in the story that the women came to the tomb with their burial spices. The only reason in this culture that you would be coming to a tomb with burial spices is to care for the body of a dead person, not to see a living one. So this word shocked is not a good shock filled with hope, like maybe he is alive. Now, this word shocked in verse 5 actually means they were overwhelmed and deeply troubled. Something is terribly wrong here. This is not what we were expecting. This is not what we were supposed to see. And we are overwhelmed and we are deeply distressed by what is happening here. And then everything kind of changes. Verse 6. But the angel said, don't be alarmed. Even the angel could tell that these ladies were distressed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. And this is the ultimate proof right here. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee you will see him there just as he told you before he died. And the women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. The significance of this event cannot be overstated. Hey, what we just read, this eyewitness account from Mark himself This event cannot be overstated because everything about Jesus rests on the resurrection. And the reason everything about Jesus rests on the resurrection is because he's the one who said it was going to happen. He told people over and over and over again, I will be killed, but hang in there. Don't be too surprised because I will come back to life. So if Jesus... Doesn't come through on his promises, then we have a lot of issues. Everything about Jesus rests on the resurrection. If he does not come back to life, Jesus is not truthful. If Jesus isn't truthful, he cannot be trusted. If Jesus cannot be trusted, what in the world does that mean for us? And why are we even here? Think about this though. His bodily resurrection substantiates the proposition that His life and death was more than just the life and death of a good man, but that He was indeed God. And through His death and resurrection, we have forgiveness of sin. The resurrection of Jesus is the ultimate proof that He is who He claimed to be. The resurrection, I think, is history's greatest event I mean, nothing compares to this. And the reason I think the resurrection is history's greatest event is because the resurrection makes redemption possible. Resurrection results in redemption. And that is our second key word. So let's think about the word redemption. When you hear that word, redemption or redeemed, What normally comes to mind? Just think about that for a second. The word redemption, what comes to mind? How about Shawshank Redemption, the movie? Or how about Sam Bradford signing a $26 million contract after a very mediocre season? That's some kind of redemption for someone, isn't it? Or how about the redemption of an Amazon or an iTunes gift card? That's redemption. And we can certainly describe it that way. And we can think of redemption in those kinds of terms. But there is so much more deep truth that kind of drips from this word. That is very good news for all of us. And so here is the basic idea of redemption. Redemption equals deliverance by a payment price. If something is going to be redeemed, there is a redemption price that has to be paid. So redemption equals deliverance by payment of a price. A ransom price is actually what that is called. A ransom price has to be paid in order for redemption to be a reality. So I want to tie this together now because I think this is amazing. And what makes this day something that is so extraordinary for all of us when we think about Jesus coming back to life because he's the one who took care of this for us. So I want to go to Mark chapter 10, just a few chapters before we read about the resurrection. We have the words of Jesus and he's talking to a few people about why he came and what he was doing and what he hoped to accomplish. And here's what he said. And think about the word redemption as I read this. Here's Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom. There's our word. And all of this is the language of redemption A ransom price has to be paid in order for deliverance or redemption to be a reality. And here is Jesus saying, before he was crucified and killed and came back to life, that even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to make redemption possible, to give his life as a payment for all of our sins, to be a ransom for many. Think about this. No matter what you believe about God. And maybe you're here and you believe in God deeply, and you would be quick to say that. Or maybe you're here and you're kind of a believer in God. You do believe in the things that He said and the things that He did, but you don't want to go crazy about it. Or maybe you're here and you don't believe in God at all. And somebody dragged you out of bed and made you come here because this is what you do on Easter, right? Well, no matter what group you may find yourself in today, whether you believe in God deeply or you're just beginning that process and maybe have some questions or maybe you don't believe at all, I want to let you know I'm glad that you're here. And Valley Point is a safe place for you to question and investigate. But I do want you to know this, and I really want you to hear this. So if you've been leaning out, lean back in for just a few more moments, okay? There is something that God wants for each and every one of you. And I know this to be true based on what we find in Scripture. There is something that God wants for each and every one of you. It doesn't matter who you are or where you have been or what kind of life you have lived. No matter what your story is, there is absolutely something that God wants for each and every one of you. And that is, He wants you to be redeemed. He wants you to be delivered. And guess what? Jesus is the one who paid the ransom price for that deliverance to be a reality. And this is why we celebrate and why we sing and why we recognize that Jesus is alive. He's the one who paid the ransom price for us to be delivered. And this is something that God wants for each and every one of us. Now, here's what that looks like. I want you to consider these three statements. People can be redeemed from something namely from slavery to sin. People are redeemed by something, namely by the payment of a price, the blood of Jesus. And people are redeemed to something, namely freedom and a forever friendship with God. That's why this word redemption is just so deep with truth. We can be redeemed from something. That can happen for all of us. And we are redeemed by something. This is Jesus paying the ransom price for us with his death and with the shedding of his blood. And we can be redeemed to something, namely freedom and a forever friendship with God. Maybe on this Easter, consider this. Maybe on this Easter, God is chasing you. Now maybe he's just doing that. And you know that. You can feel that. There's just something on the inside as you think about his work and what he's done for you. And you just sense that God is chasing you. God does chase But he never forces his way into our lives. And maybe you are interested in God. You like the thought of God and having a forever friendship with him. But you've never trusted in the work of Jesus alone to save you. I want to let you know that you can cross that bridge today and enter into a forever friendship with God by trusting in Jesus alone to save you. That is possible because Jesus is the one who paid the ransom price for all of our sins. He was resurrected and that makes redemption a reality. Two questions as our takeaways for today. Number one, if the resurrection and redemption are realities for you, how is that changing your life today? Think about that. If you believe in the resurrection and you would say, I have trusted in Jesus. So the resurrection and the redemption are realities for you. How is that changing your life today? Is it changing your life? Your relationships, your compassion, your generosity, your willingness and readiness to forgive. Is it changing you? Because it should be. It changed the early followers. Consider this. Jesus one day reached out to a man named Andrew and Peter and James and John and a few others. And he invited them to travel with him and to learn from him. He was the teacher. And he invited them to be a part of his life and to see everything that he did, and to hear everything that he said. At the end of their time together, this small group of followers, which became known as disciples, they really hadn't created much of a stir. They had been with Jesus, they had watched him teach, and they had seen him perform miracles, but yet... This small group of followers really hadn't created much of a stir. They were not that powerful. Do you want to know what was big and powerful in this culture and at this particular time in history? You want to know what was powerful? The Roman Empire. Boy, they were big and powerful. And if you could have seen the Roman Empire and its Pax Romana in all of its glory and its 250,000 miles of engineered roads and its extension from Asia to Africa to Europe, its dominance and its social status, which was... Something to be desired in the Mediterranean at that time. If you could have seen the Roman Empire, you would say, Wow, they are powerful. Here's what's not powerful a small group of frightened, confused, defeated followers of an executed carpenter. Not powerful. Not powerful. Roman Empire, big, mighty, strong, and powerful. And then you've got a group of dysfunctional individuals who have lost their leader. They are not powerful. But if you had to place your bets on who would be in existence 2,000 years later, you might lose out on that. Imagine somebody comes to you and they invite you, come on, place a bet. Who's going to be around in a few thousand years? You would put all of your money on the Roman Empire. You wouldn't even think about that. You wouldn't even pray. It doesn't matter. The Roman Empire is very powerful in all of its glory. And this small group of followers, they are a hot mess. They will never accomplish anything. The Roman Empire is powerful and yet today extinct. Christianity, well, here we are. This is real. It's not a game. And if the resurrection and redemption are real to you, it should be changing your life in some way because it changed the lives of these early followers very significantly to the point where they turned the world upside down and that presence is still moving and still going. So if the resurrection and redemption are real to you, it should be changing you in some way. What way is it changing you? Here's the second question. If the resurrection and redemption are not real to you, what is keeping you from making that choice? There's got to be something there. If the resurrection and redemption are not real to you, what is keeping you from making that choice? Easter is such an extraordinary day. It's a day where we really discover God wants to give something to us and what He wants to give to us is himself. Imagine what could happen in your life if you allowed the God who is chasing you to become your leader and your forgiver. You've got a to face tomorrow anyway. Why not do it with Jesus? Don't let brokenness have the last word in your life. Right? We're all broken in some way. We all get beat up. But you don't have to let brokenness have the last word in your life. God doesn't want our fixes. He is the fix. He doesn't want our plans. He is the plan. And he offers himself to us and he invites us to trust in the work of Jesus, the one who was resurrected and paid the ransom price so that we can be redeemed. This is how you enjoy Easter. Easter changed everything sure did, and it can change me. Father, we are so thankful for what we discover here in Mark chapter 16. We have an eyewitness account of someone who is with you, someone who watched you, someone who would have observed all of these different things that happened, And we know based on what we find in the book of Mark and other gospels is that tomb was empty. And that's the ultimate proof of the resurrection and that Jesus is who he claimed to be. And so God, I pray that you would just speak into our lives right now whatever it is that you want to say to each and every one of us. If it's a matter of allowing the resurrection and the redemption to change us, God, help that to happen today. May that be a reality for us immediately. God, for those who have yet to trust in the work of Jesus to personalize that, I pray that today they would just know you are pursuing and chasing them. And out of your love and compassion, you give yourself. You invite us to trust. To trust. I'd like for you to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment. Maybe you're here on this Easter and the thought of God extending to you a relationship is exactly what you want and what you need and you know it. You just feel that on the inside. You know God is chasing you. Then I want to encourage you in the quietness of this moment from your heart to his ears just cry out to him and let him know that you are a sinner and that you desperately need him in your life. Just tell him that. Tell Him that you believe that Jesus came and He lived and He died and He rose again just for you. Personalize it. This isn't just for somebody next to you. It's for you. Tell Him that you're trusting in that and embrace His leadership and His forgiveness in your life. Just tell Him that you want Him. Don't add anything to that because there's nothing we can add to earn God's friendship. Jesus is the one who paid the ransom price for our deliverance. He's the one who redeemed us. Just trust in that work alone. Trust in it. If that's something that you've offered up to God for the very first time, I want to say to you, congratulations. Scripture tells us that God doesn't turn anyone away. He won't do that. He can't. He loves you that much. And this is going to be your greatest Easter ever. Maybe you're here and that's a decision you've already made. You've already trusted in Christ. And you have that friendship and you're proud of that. You're thankful for it. Then how is the resurrection and redemption changing you? Your relationships, your compassion, your generosity, your willingness to forgive. It should be changing you. Maybe right now you just want to talk to God about a way that that needs to become a reality today. Talk to Him about that. Father, we are so thankful for a resurrected Savior. and That he was willing to endure all of that pain, misery, and death, and humiliation to pay the ransom price for me. For me. And God, not just for me, but for everybody in this room and everybody outside of this room. That's how much you love the world. We're thankful for Jesus and his obedience and his willingness to walk that path for us. God, for those that have trusted in you alone, may they be so encouraged today and may they be willing to share that with somebody as they exit in just a moment. God, for everybody else who is thinking about ways that you're resurrection and redemption should be changing us. God, may we act on this, I just think about it today, but may we truly act on it and become a part of this growing movement of Jesus followers who have great impact in their homes, in their schools, in their communities, in their workplaces, and everywhere that you take us around the world. Christianity is very much alive and we're grateful thank you. We thank you. And we pray all of this in the name of a resurrected and living Savior. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9 15 or 11 a.m.